Shama people, and welcome to our 122nd episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and more. If it came from a comic and had a theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and uh, uh, today we back coming back to the podcast. It's been a while since he's been on, but it's definitely always a pleasure to talk to him. Devin, hey Devin, how are you? And welcome back to Happiness and Darkness. I am absolutely fabulous, and I'm glad that I am able to come on here and review one of my favorite movies. So, oh, well, We're very, very happy to have you back with us, Devin. And of course, today we are discussing Barb Wire from 96, directed by David Hogan. The story was by Eileen Chaikin, who co-wrote the screenplay with Chuck Farah, while the original score was by Michel Colombier. This movie cost, to put in today's money, Devin, this movie cost $15 million to make and made $6 million at the box office. So wow. definitely, yes, definitely lost a lot of money. Uh, sadly, it was a major flop, but, but uh, you know, I guess those are the breaks. But let's maybe look at possibly why this might be. So starting with first impressions here, Devin, what are your thoughts on Barbed Wire as a whole? Well, I mean, I... I feel like it it is what it is like it's either you're going to give this you know an opportunity and watch it all the way through or you're just gonna you know watch like clips on YouTube of it or whatever like me like I grew up actually really enjoying this movie because it's like kind of like a cheesy you know action movie with a little bit of you know like dirty jokes in it mm -hmm. like that's kind of how I feel about it you know right it's, no. it's something that you watch with your bunch of friends, you know, like what there's nothing else to do. So did you actually get to see this at the theater? Um, I actually did. Um, and like I said, the first impression, honestly, like because of my age, like some of that stuff, I was not like, you know, very you know familiar with any of it. And then when I got older, when I started watching it, when I was like 11, 10 years old, almost 13, then I started really getting into it. Because to me, it was like a cheap version of like a Terminator movie or like a Rambo movie. Mm. And with, you know, a bunch of dirty jokes in it, you know, like I said, you know. Uh, I totally get it. And were, were you at all familiar with the barbed wire comics? Um, Like I glanced at one of them like when i was eight years old but i never like bought it or anything i mean i thought it was very interesting <laughs> right yeah because i i have to say you know this i had not seen this in a long time and you know obviously now that came around to reviewing this film for the podcast it, i have yeah. you know, doing a um a podcast on best picture winners as soon as i watched this i was like wait a minute this is a Playboy version of Casablanca because I was like, what in the world? Because 
folks, if you are familiar with Casablanca, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I, I'm going to say check it out because it's definitely worth it. Heck, it won Best Picture. But it, uh, it, it just is almost beat by beat. Casablanca, a little bit raunchier with, of course, uh, Pamela Anderson in the role that was Humphrey Bogart's in Casablanca. And the whole story is just very, very much that. And I don't know whether that was David Hogan's intent or whether it just happened, but I have a feeling this is probably what they wanted to do because they maybe thought to themselves way back when Casablanca was such a popular movie, everybody loved it so much, and uh, it's still very well loved today. Let's try and do something a la, Cas a la Casablanca, but let's do it with some leather and some hot blonde women and some explosions yes. and all this kind of thing. So that was the, the impression I got, and I have to say it's very, very cheesy. I, I look it as you know I've said this often with some with certain movies we've discussed here this is a this is a fun movie like you said if it's a Friday night and you're hanging out with your buddies and maybe there's adult beverages being consumed you could possibly find enjoyment in this but I was yeah. really groaning all the way through I'm very I'm very yeah. sorry to say but that's 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 the way I feel and I I think they tried to, I mean, it is very much in the vein of those, like you were saying, action movies with like your Schwarzeneggers right. or your Van Dams or your Stallones. But I don't know. I just could not get behind this one. <laughs> well, and, and, and like, you know, I was saying earlier, I feel like, you know, it's really a person's cup of tea. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's going to watch the entire thing or watch, you know, 15 minutes of it and then turn it off and be like, you know, why did I waste my time? You know? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just think that, um, you know, Pam Anderson is not for everybody. Like, and I feel like sometimes she comes off as like the typical, you know, blonde, you know, but I feel like this movie was a little bit different because I felt like she was more of, you know, like an action, you know, actor, you know who was trying to be in an action star, you know, for like the women. Um, and I feel like they may have failed in, in that aspect, but she did have a lot of success after this movie in other roles. So, I mean, it really depends if you're a fan of her or not, I guess. Well, uh, you, you definitely make a good point because obviously, you know, she had come to her claim to fame obviously was Baywatch amongst the, the various things that she had done, of course. Right. And that's what a lot of folks, especially over here in Europe, or at least in Italy, remember uh, Pam Anderson for is, of course, Baywatch. And, you know, she she did good in that for, for sure. And, uh, you know, has had a career as a model and what have you. So they're definitely not uh, knocking that at all. But as we are talking about her, let's deeper dive into our movie by looking Closer at our titular character, the buxom blonde badass herself, Pamela Anderson Lee, as Barbara Kapetsky, Barb Wire. So, yeah, as you were mentioning, uh, Devin, what did you make of our heroine and, uh, you know, what Barb got to do in this film? Well, I mean, I I feel like they did the best with, with the character that they had. I mean, like, honestly, you don't really see the personality from Baywatch in this role with Pam Anderson I feel like she's actually trying to come off as an action star like I said and I feel like um they kind of also failed in that aspect too because they put that out way you know 
in everybody's face, like right off the bat. Um, but I do like how she continued to try to make the role more interesting as the film kept going on. That I appreciate because I'm not, I would imagine that it was probably very nerve wracking for her to be thrown in that role. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, she, I feel like she really tried as, as an actress in this film to, to make the best of this character and what, and what would end up happening, you know? True. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I'm of course not trying to shame anybody when I say this, but I think the fact that, cause also in the comics, this is how Barb dresses. So she always dresses very alluringly and, you know, very, should we say, Almost like she's you know, either not wearing anything at all, pretty much. And I suppose that can play to the character's advantage, i.e. the element of distraction. Like, for right. example, you know, if we look at a franchise like the Avengers franchise, where Black Widow also sometimes dre might not always dress in the most tactical gear, but might also right. want to use her sensuality in order to distract the, her opponents or her, uh, her or the villains, if you will, and I do get that. I mean, I had mentioned this is very much uh, a should we say sexier version or attempt at a sexier version of Casablanca because a bar a Barb in this is very very similar to, like I said, the character being played by Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca, which is of course Rick. And she is very much in, in Rick's situation where she openly says, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm going to do things if they benefit me. But of course, underneath, just like Rick, she has a heart of gold. She does, she does have morals and she does care about people. It's just that she's almost so jaded, if you will, and so tr possibly traumatized by what she experienced. I mean, we get a very, very brief flashback of what had happened to her before she wound up becoming a bar owner in, in Steel City and, and everything else. So she's very much, that. this is almost like her coping mechanism of, I've become so jaded and I feel betrayed by everybody. It's kind of stiff, stiff up a lip. I'm going to be a bounty hunter and this is how I'm going to do it. And also use the weapons at my disposal in all senses. So I know right. I'm a very attractive woman, so I'm going to use this to my advantage. And she does do that. And I will say, even though Pam did win the Razzie Award for this role, she doesn't, the acting is not god awful. It's average, it's decent. I think it works for what she's supposed to do. It works for the kind of movie. I mean, I'm not saying put Pamela Anderson in a, you know, in, in an art house film, but she works with, she works in this. I did buy the character. I did, you know, I did find myself rooting for her, if you will. I mean, there were some moments which maybe were a little bit on the nose and were very nineties and I get it. But like, like, for example, what I really, really kind of drove me nuts, if you will, <clears throat> as beautiful as it is to look at Pamela Anderson, the opening credits, I thought dragged on a little bit long. As much as it's wonderful to see Pamela Anderson being drenched by water and showing her breasts yeah. to the world, I'm like, okay, it's great. I love it. You know, this is great eye candy, but it's dragging on a little bit long. It seems like I'm watching the Spice Channel for crying out loud. I here okay i'm gonna make a quick joke because like um now i actually um like 
that was kind of an ongoing joke, actually, like the what you did just said right there, like in my high school at the point. Um, and so like that kind of brings me back to to like the second time I saw the movie when I was 14, because to me it was like, OK, well, like I'm not old enough to buy a Playboy, but hey, I got this movie, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that comment. Yeah, because that, that was just my other thing. And also, I just like Casablanca, pretty much, with the, with the way the, the film ends, I guess Barb doesn't really... Does she get a happy ending? I guess she's off to Paris. Isn't she off to Paris? It's a little bit odd because she's kind of there, left with the, with the chief of police, but I guess she is off to Paris, so I guess she does get, in inverted commas, her happy ending. And I did appreciate possibly the fact that, unlike other films where you did have the woman that ended up needing a man if you will i did appreciate the fact that barb does stand on her own two feet and doesn't end up with uh, uh should we say the the character with axel hood her old flame from way back when i was so glad that didn't happen because it could have but instead you know barb goes her way she lets axel and dr um, and cora d pardon me leave as the married couple they are so i did appreciate that i did appreciate that they are trying to to make out that whole girl power thing so that that that, that, I'm, that i'm cool with and i'll buy with and i think also the physicality of the role i do know there were moments where she was were, i'm sure there was probably a stunt double but she's not bad in doing her own stunts too so all in all i think we can say pam did a, did a decent job yeah yeah i i, I think so so let's move on then and look at Barb's brother on one hand and her most intimate confidant on the other. We have, of course, Jack Noseworthy as Charlie Kapetsky, whom most folks might remember from the Bon Jovi video always. He was also in Event Horizon, U571 and Killing Kennedy. And on the other, we have Udo Kier as Curly, whom we'd actually met in the first Blade movie. So, uh, Devin, when it came to these two characters, it came to, uh, uh, should we say, Bob's brother and Curly, what did you make of these two? Well, honestly, I, I feel like without these two characters, there wouldn't be like a lot of like side story. And I feel like, honestly, I would have liked to see them, you know, maybe more a little bit, you know, um, and possibly even maybe having like a second movie made, like a modern movie made, maybe that, uh, you know, might be able to kind of capture what would have been done originally for this film and what I feel like could have been done for the film. Um, yeah, but I feel like both both of them did a great job in those roles, um, and uh, some of the things that you just pointed out, I, I wasn't even aware of. Mm. Well, uh, I, I mean, I'm right there with you. I do think these are probably, I think Curly is probably my favorite character in this movie, because yeah. I absolutely, I think Udo Kier did a fabulous job. He has a much smaller role in Blade for folks who might recognize his face. He was, of course, one of the senior vampires in the Blade oh. movie. And uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, whenever he's on screen, I think Udo does a great job. And I think here it was very fun. He was almost like the Alfred to Bob's Batman to a certain extent, because yeah, he literally seems to be the one to, you know, to, no pun intended in her inner circle, because 
He literally knows all the ins and outs of what she's doing. He's always trying to give her advice. He's very much and always has almost a bon mot for her and, and always is there to support her. And I love the fact that obviously at the end of the film, Bob does leave the bar to him. Granted, there's not much of a bar left, but... Uh, right. But I'm, I'm hoping that Curly will be able to, to uh, so we say, rise from the flames like a phoenix and bring the bar back to its former luster and make and do good business with it because he is just a fabulous, fabulous guy. I just really, really enjoyed that. Also, the chemistry between Curly and Barb I thought was good fun, and the sarcasm he has. He he's also, as I mentioned, I think these are very sort of jaded characters in general, probably also because of the world they're living in because Steel City is pretty much the only safe city, if you will, which hasn't been taken over. And so I guess everybody's kind of very sort of, so so just sort of jaded about everything and so uh, cynical. Curly's a very cynical character, but I, I definitely enjoyed what he did and I'm glad. And hopefully, as I said, he'll be able to run a successful bar and the, the bar will do well. And when it comes to Charlie, he was a very interesting character, I agree. And it was kind of a shame that uh, his character didn't get as much because I, w I was when I was watching this, I was like, OK, I get it. This is all about Bob and how gorgeous Bob is. But at the same time, I was thinking to myself, I would love to know more about Charlie because what made him this way? What was he like before he lost his sight? Was he born blind? What was the story behind that? And not to mention how supportive he is of the resistance which i think is something that you know obviously kind of clashes with the way bob is now because she used to be part of the resistance after up until what happened to her previously but charlie kept in contact with the resistance and we find out that people know him and it was tragic that the way he got killed i really i felt super bad for him because i was starting to really care about this character I was like please make let charlie make it out alive but that, that's not the case. But also, I think Jack Noseworthy did a great job in just being so defiant when it came to uh, being tortured and not wanting to give up the goods. So I thought it was great. And I really would have liked to have seen more scenes of just Charlie and Barb as a brother and sister. This The problem, I think, was with this film is being an action movie or being, shall we say, that... Uh, stereotypical action movie you don't get a lot of character development so you kind of right. have to go with what you're given but but no i, I all in all i do think that uh, that jack noseworthy and udo kier did, did a good job so so yeah i'm definitely happy with them uh, did you have anything else on these two characters well i was just gonna say like i just enjoyed like some of the the inside jokes and like the humor and you know like just some of the wackiness that ended up happening you know in some of the scenes and you know i think that's just what i really enjoy with both of the characters is like you're they're not your typical you know sidekicks you know this is true so moving on then i guess let's look at this this version of the characters that are played in casablanca by ingrid bergman and paul henreid we have demura morrison as axel hood whom we actually met in aquaman and victoria rowell as dr karina devonshire aka cora d who now this is might know from eve's bayou dumb and dumber the young and the restless and many more things so when it came to our married couple shall we say uh, Devin, what did you make of these two? Well, I, okay. Um, 
I absolutely love what she did in this film. I, I loved the character. I thought that she did a, a decent job with it, honestly. Um, him, like, I would give him, like, an A for an effort, but I feel like he could have put a little bit more emotion into the role. Like, I, he, like, very dry, you know, acting skills, and I was just kind of bored with his character a little bit. Hmm. What I, I so so you weren't particularly impressed with the Axel character? Not at all. No, I thought it very 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 boring, honestly. Well, uh, that's that's very fair because I I have to be honest. Uh, in Aquaman, he's actually, if memory serves, he's um, Aquaman's dad. In in oh. Aquaman, that's that's who he is, and uh, he he did a, he did a good job in 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 Aquaman as as. Uh, should we say, um, his father. Here, I very much got a, should we say, B-list Steven Seagal kind of vibe. It's almost yeah. like, are you a Steven Seagal extra dude? Because you're really acting like Steven Seagal would. Just, he, he very much comes across as almost that B-list action hero. The way he carries himself and the way he says things, the way he does things. And, you know, you almost get, and of course it is revealed that Axel and Barb had had a relationship before things went south. And now obviously they're meeting up years later and she's not particularly happy to see him, which is very similar to what, as I mentioned before, Ingrid Bergman and um, Humphrey Bogart, it, the same thing that happens to them in Casablanca, where um, Ingrid Bergman and Paul Henry show up at, at Rick's bar, at Humphrey Bogart's bar. And he's like, oh, you're here and you got married. And so it's... Uh, it, it, there's that whole, should we say, dynamic going on. And it is also very similar when it comes to the, the circumstances under which Axel and Cora got married. Because from what we gather, it's not like they literally fell in love or anything of that nature. Axel obviously married her in order to help her uh, with passport-wise and everything else. And then I, I suppose it love developed. I mean, I'm hoping Axel loves Cora at this point because... The fact that he's suddenly like making out with with Pam at one point, I'm like, Cora, if now you can sort of run away, etc., or maybe when you guys finally make it out, I would probably think about looking for somebody else because I don't know if this marriage, if there's any point to this marriage, if you're able to escape and make good because right. you don't really get the impression, obviously, of them being a happily married couple if you were there being any kind of love between them. But I get it. It's almost like a marriage of convenience in inverted commas or in order to help everybody out. And Axel is very much obviously a firm and staunch supporter of what Cora D does and what she brings to the resistance. And I agree with you. I do think that uh, Victoria Rowell did a much better job than Tamora Morrison did because there were just moments where Tamora came across as rather wooden, if you will, and a little bit stiff. And it was a, I just wasn't buying it. And so I just was like, oh, okay, fine. I see what you're doing here, but I'm not really convinced. And yeah, and Cora could have de another, definitely been another character, which would have been nice to see more of because she's literally the one that everybody's chasing and everybody's after. And I went and I was kind of yelling at the screen going, give me more of Cora D. I want to know or understand why this woman is so dangerous or why they see her as such a threat and all this. But we kind of got bits and pieces, but yeah, I agree. I think all in all, uh, it was, you know, we had to kind of deal with what we were given, but yeah, between the two, I definitely much, much preferred Cora D's character to, to the Axel Hood one. Yeah. So, 
So let's get into our chief of police. We have Xander Berkeley as Chief Alexander Willis, whom our listeners might know from Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Candyman, The Walking Dead TV show, and much more. So when it came to our rather corrupt chief of police, Devin, what did you make of him? Man, I absolutely love this character because (laughs) this to me is your typical... um, I'm police chief and you're going to follow whatever I say, whether you like to or not, or I'm going to fire you. I mean, he just came off as that type of, of, you know, of a cop to where it was like, um, he could do that, but he could also make some pretty decent jokes as well throughout the role. And I feel like without him in the movie, it would have been a more of a boring situation. So, I mean, you know, I just think that he did a decent job in this role. I think so, too. And, uh, you know, I, I do think uh, it's one of the more interesting relationships in this film, i.e. The, the relationship between Chief Willis and Barb in this, because granted, yes, it's clear that the Chief Willis is incredibly corrupt and will pretty much, you know, he, he abu- it's very, there's very much an abuse of power on his end. Where anything that will kind of benefit him or anything of that nature, he will do. And he's pretty much happy to, to sell off anybody to the, high, to the highest bidder. But I did think that the relationship between, as I said, him and Bob was, it was a curious one because he, th- just the fact that, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost hard to describe, but is, once again, very similar to the relationship between the, the Claude Rains character in Casablanca and Humphrey Bogart, once again, because they have that kind of, friendship if you will i don't really i can't really call it a friendship but it's like a mutual understanding of right. this is how things go because bob knows this guy's as dirty as as you can get when it comes to a cop but they're able to coexist within this incredibly sordid city and sordid world and so that's i think is mainly what is going on between the two is just that's just literally we're going to just have to learn to get along together. And we both know the way the game is played. And there's almost this curious flirtation between the two. Well, Barb is, is definitely a, ver- a very big flirt. She loves to flirt with people in general. And there is that, that kind of open flirtation to a certain extent with Chief Willis. And you do wonder whether there yeah. might have been something between the two previously. Because chief willis is i think gets very cozy with bob in a lot of situations and gets away with certain things that possibly other people wouldn't i get it he's the chief of police but still if bob wanted to she could probably break his arm or or you know just literally knock this guy on his butt if she wanted to so it makes you wonder where there was either something of that nature or simply like I'm going to play along because it's better to be on this guy's good side, if you will. Probably it's good for business and all this kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I do think he very much brings an interesting dynamic to the to the film. And, uh, and yeah, I, I will also uh, say Xander Berkeley is one of the better actors in this film. Yep. For sure. So uh, anything else on our chief of police before we get to our big bads, Devin? No, not not actually. Um, I think I've you know, proven my point a little bit. You know that he was quite an entertaining character. Mm, certainly, I think so too. And uh, and it's great that like, I suppose at the end of the day, he turns out to be one of the good guys because obviously also by 
I think we'll be starting to get towards the end of this film. He literally helps Bob out and also, of course, helps Axel and Cora D out. So he ends up becoming, I think, more of the good guys than the bad guys. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it, was, it, was, it was well played. I, I will say that. So let's then get to our two main antagonists. We have Andre Rose Brown as Big Fatso and Steve Railsback as Colonel Victor Prizer, whom our listeners might know from the Stuntmen, Life Force, and the TV show Helter Skelter, where he actually played Charles Manson. So when it came to uh, these two characters, Devin, what did you make of Big Fatso and Colonel Prizer? Very, very cheesy. But honestly, I feel like without these two characters, you wouldn't have like your typical villains. Um, so I could understand why people think that the two characters are kind of cheesy and like they don't really fit the movie. But I feel like also they had to do something different. They didn't want to do like a Superman type movie. So they had to go, you know, out in left field and basically just find, you know, random people to fill these roles. And I feel like they did what they needed to do. But also I feel like it, it kind of failed in a way too, because they are two characters that are not very interesting. Mm. I mean, what did you think of how they, they met their ends? So big fatso basically exploding and, and Colonel Victor prize after that huge sort of fight on that crane and everything else. What did you make of those end of the of their demises? I found those very entertaining scenes, honestly. And I know that some people think that, you know, um, that that's kind of, you know, bad humor. And I don't, I didn't really see it that way because again, they were trying to keep people interested in the movie. So they had to do something, you know, random. And maybe, maybe that's just how they needed to solve that situation for them to, you know, be killed off and, you know, so that there wasn't like another sequel or whatever. Mm, yeah for sure I, I i will say i was actually thinking about this now if ever they made a remake i think michael bay would be perfect for a barbed wire remake because oh, absolutely this has all the elements of a michael bay film david hogan yep. is almost like the 90s version of michael bay at least in this film because you have the, the sexy lead, you have explosions every, everywhere, you have very over-the-top things going on. So I think if ever they should decide to resurrect a project like this, I think it literally has Michael Bay written all over it. So <laughs> that's that's my thought. It would be interesting to, to... I was actually trying to think who could possibly play barbed wire these days, because you don't really have, uh, I guess, these kind of Pamela Anderson kind of kind of uh, actresses at the present right. that I can that I can think of but it would be um, I think uh, Michael Bay fans will probably get a, a kick out of a, a remake done by him if ever he's interested in the project but uh, that said when it comes to our villains yes uh, big fat so of course is you know a little bit of a composite I think of Jabba the Hutt to a certain extent and of course, also with the character of Ferrari in Casablanca, where you have this very, should we say, oily character. And this is obviously yep. exacerbated by the fact that, yes, he's a rather corpulent gentleman and he loves his food. And so, and they make a big point of him being so obsessed with food. I'm like, okay, I get it. He likes his food. But uh, other than that, he 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 seems to he plays the role almost at first of being almost this kind of big dumb guy but he actually is insanely clever and can be insanely malicious 
And we just see the glee that he has when he almost seems to have brought down barbed wire where so many, so many other people have failed. So he could very much be that he's, he's very much that criminal genius that you shouldn't really underestimate, I think. Granted, his ending I did find rather comical because, of course, you know, he blows up with the, he finds a grenade in between his legs and just, and just explodes. I'm like, yeah, okay. Not because 90s. I get it. And he even, and speaking of the explosions, I don't know about you, Devin, but didn't it make you laugh sometimes where there was no reason to have an explosion? We just got an explosion. Well, actually, um, so I invented a uh, interesting little drinking game. So, like, mm-hmm. when that was happening in the movie, like the fake explosions and like the, the killing scenes uh, that were like really, really cheesy, is like I, I would take like a shot of like, uh, you know, rum or whatever. And honestly, to me, like, that's entertaining on its own, but like the rum is just there because it's there. Like, that's kind of how I feel about, you know, about those scenes. You know, it's like it's either you like it or you don't like it. Oh, no, definitely. But yeah, I just I, it just kind of made me chuckle saying, yeah, that's what used to happen in the 90s. Like a door would come down and there'd be just a random explosion for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, OK, yeah. I guess everything's incredibly flammable and you're just everything's rigged with explosives for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, The other thing I was going to compare, the other thing I was going to compare it to is like if you're watching like a, a 90s uh friday the 13th or like a nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. like it has that cheesy you know vibe to it to where it's like you you know what's gonna happen but then it happens and then you're like okay that's really really hilarious yeah I almost was surprised that throughout this film we didn't get one Motley Crue song seeing oh, as seeing as at the time Pam was still married to Tommy Lee. And you know, you'd think it's right there. You have Tommy Lee's wife on screen. Maybe it would have been a little bit too much on the nose, but I'm like, you're using a lot of hard rock and metal. You could have just thrown in a Motley Crue song at some point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That was that was just kind of my, my thought on that. But yeah, going back to our villains here, when it came to Victor Prizer, yeah, I mean, he very much is the stereotypical Nazi kind of character. And that's that's pretty much what this new order is. You know, obviously, because, you know, the, the black suits and uh, these very sort of stern faces and it, it literally screamed, OK, 90s Nazis. And I'm like, OK, I'll buy it. And I will say that for what he has to do, Steve's ra- Steve rails back. It does play menacing well. You do get this guy, somebody you don't want to cross, and he's probably killed thousands of people, and he's very much um, a a psychopath in his own way, and he very much is rather sadistic, and we see this, of course, in the way he kills Charlie. And so it's, it's clear what this character is. This character is pure evil, plain and simple. And yeah, he gets, of course, his just dessert and we get that crazy fight, the, the crazy fights on the various moving vehicles like the cranes and, and, and the scaffolding and such. And yeah, OK, it's 90s. I, I'm, I'm getting into this. It did seem to drag on a little bit. And I thought to myself, you could have actually used all this time to actually give us some character development rather than having these action scenes that go on forever. But I, I suppose that, that that was kind of uh, uh, David Hogan's deal was. We're just going to give you as much action as we can. But, you know, today's movies have pro- have shown us that you can have some great action, but you can also have some great character moments, too. So that was what I was, was a little bit uh, saddened about was 
there was just so much, so much action and very little time for our characters to emerge. But yeah, all in all, I thought Pariser was good. And I did like, uh, obviously, the, his exchanges with Barb. Because at first, I suppose like many men, he is attracted to her because I guess, you know, hey, it's Pamela Anderson in her heyday. So it's kind of hard not to be attracted to this woman. But And the fact that he almost seems to respect her, if you will, when they first meet at her club... And he doesn't seem to have any evil intentions towards her. But then, obviously, as things progress, it just gets darker and darker. But, yeah, I, I, I was all right with this. Like you, to your point, they are rather stereotypical 90s villains. And they get the stereotypical 90s villains end. So yeah. I guess I guess that's the, that's that. That's that. But and, and also what, what I was a little bit unsatisfied here with, since we're talking about our villains as well, is the, uh, even though our married couple gets away and Bob's off to Paris, apparently, the regime hasn't exactly toppled. They haven't exa- exactly liberated the not the maybe not necessarily the world, but at least the United the rest of the United States from this dictatorial government. Is nobody going to go after these people? Is that just it? Like we're just going to take what we can and head on if into the sunset, even though the situation is not fully resolved? I mean, were you okay with that? I was absolutely not okay with it. Um, and that's probably the, one of the only reasons uh, that I would really say anything bad about the character development. But mm-hmm. I do feel like that story could have, you know, been, you know, a little bit more organized and less, you know, all over the place Mm. Um, because I feel like the reason why this film didn't make a lot of money was not because it wasn't, you know, necessarily an average film, but because they, I just don't think that they advertised the movie correctly. They didn't really, you know, put it out um, at a good time either. Mm. Um, You know, I, I feel like there's just so many different things, but yeah, I, I definitely don't agree. You know, I think that they should have handled that situation much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I do get that, you know, I, and, I, and you know, he, we can put our own drinking game in here, folks. Every time I mention Casablanca, take a drink. Because just like in Casablanca, of course, we are right in the middle of the Second World War. And so it's not, not yet clear on how the war is going to end. So I understand that in that movie, there's still a war going on. I yep. guess that's probably what they were doing here, too. It's like, yeah, these are mini stories within the world at large. So there is still a war going on, and but we're not going to see Bob go back to being a freedom fighter or anything of this nature, which could have been kind of nice because after everything that's happened to her, she's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go and have a holiday, and that's, that's it. Maybe it would have been, I suppose, too obvious had she said no i want to get back into uh, into the brink and fight and and uh, take on this this um regime i would actually have personally preferred that but uh, maybe it, would, it was too predictable but uh, in, but because that's why i was just not really sort of it didn't sit well with me she's like yeah right. there's still tons of problems out there which i could probably help out with but no i'm just gonna head on off and enjoy a holiday in paris and i was like Okay, well, whatever, if that's if that's what makes you happy. And to your point, I have a feeling that people may not have taken this film seriously for starters, probably because there were maybe a lot of people who were like, oh, it's Pamela Anderson, the chick from Baywatch, the one who, who married uh, 
Tommy Lee and did that dirty video with him. So maybe the fact that Pam, you know, in the mainstream's eyes, was not seen as a viable actress outside of a TV show where she plays a lifeguard. And that's maybe why this film was not taken seriously. Yep, I think you're right about that, too. Yeah, it, 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 it was maybe just that, because maybe, yeah, I guess, the public at large. Granted, okay, I'm sure a lot of young men probably wanted to go see this, because, hey, as I said, there's definitely the allure of Pamela Anderson, but I, but I think it might have been, uh, should we say, um, what, what Pam was known for might have played against her in being in a bigger film or an action film. So that's probably why also things went the way they did. So, um, Devin, any other um, thoughts on this film before we get to ratings? Well, I, I would I would also say that, um, like, Pam Anderson was in a, a TV show called VIP, which actually was on this CW, I think, for a short time, and UPN, I believe, before that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if people would watch that and get away from, like, the Baywatch thing, I think that they would probably would have a little bit more respect for some of her acting skills. Hmm. Well, that's well, definitely a good point. I, I think so, too. So let's then get to our ratings. What do you give Barb Wire out of 10? Uh, 3.7. <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yes. And you like this movie. <laughs> yeah. That's where I would. Yes, yeah, that's where I would. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm impressed because you're even stricter than I am because I'm actually going to give this a four and a half out of ten because, as we mentioned, it's not going to win any prizes anytime soon, folks. It did win a Razzie. Pam did walk away with a Razzie award for this this film, so I guess she did get something out of it. But uh, yeah. as, as, as both myself and Devin have said throughout the course of this review, it is very much that cheesy Friday night film that you can possibly sit back and watch and just enjoy for what it is. Don't expect, as I mentioned, Casablanca. Don't expect uh, anything from like the MCU, if you will, or even the, some of the latest D- DC movie stuff. It is very much, and I hate using this phrase, but it is very much what it is. And it is you know, kind of, I suppose, what was being churned out when it came to the action movie stuff in the 90s. So it's a four and a half out of 10 for me. So let's get to recommendations then, Devin. Do you have anything tangentially related to this that you think folks should check out? Well, I I feel like, you know, Pam's performance and like the scary movie, you know, uh, with, with Jenny McCarthy, I think that was actually a good role for her because she could joke about like her past and all the you know things that have been in the public eye. Um, and I also feel like you know some of the the charity work that she does for like animal rights is pretty cool. You know, she's actually doing a lot of good for for charities and for good for people. You know, and I feel like people need to kind of you know understand that too that she's not you know just a typical blonde. You know. Well, very good point. And I will also add, speaking of tangential things, folks, if you want to also have a good time and have a chuckle, also check out what Pam does in Borat the movie, because that is hilarious. Granted, she only only shows up towards the end, but she's very much an important point with throughout the movie. So I definitely suggest you check out Borat 
the first one anyways. I, I, I definitely personally enjoyed that very much. And if you do want to find out about uh, Barb Wire comic book wise, I would strongly ch check, uh, suggest you check out the Barb Wire Omnibus Volume 1. And basically, of course, here we get uh, of the fact that Steel City is a hell of a town, literally an urban wasteland of shuttered factories, decaying neighborhoods and broken dreams. You have crime and street violence galore. But if you're a bounty hunter, every day in Metal City can be Christmas, assuming you survive. Since the worst of the harbors most wanted can fly, they can summon up tornadoes, tear cars in half, and these are just some of the villains and people that Barb has to contend with. And of course, throughout the, throughout the Metal City, she is the best tracker in the business, and she's super gangster, if you will, and obviously she's also a wanted woman herself. It's very much the unity of beauty and be incredibly lethal, and it's definitely a great, great, uh, great fun for sure. If you do want to see what Barb Wire is like in comics, that's Barb Wire Omnibus Volume One. So, of course, dear listen. Oh, I, I strongly suggest you do, Devin. And if you do, I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on it. Yep, that's awesome. <laughs> so, of course, dear listeners, if you want to be like Devin and join us here on the show to discuss a movie of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email, happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. We appreciate your thoughts and feedback. You can also share that with the, share those with us at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness and Darkness. Follow us on Twitter. We're at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, appealing generous, you can check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. There you'll be able to pick films to go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies or even films inspired by comics like 300 or i kill giants or death note or even films which inspired comics such as the robocop franchise the terminator franchise and more check all that out head on over to patreon.com slash happiness in darkness and Devin, when it comes to you when you're not here discussing barb wire and other superhero movies with me where can folks find you um, I am co-hosting the morning show on 502 Fallen Angel Radio with Mistress Angie. Um, I am right now working on a double album, actually, which will be coming out next summer with 40 tracks on it. Um, and I'm working on pursuing possibly uh, movie roles. And um, I'm going to be in a documentary, actually, about people who are legally blind in America and how like we basically have to live our lives and kind of educate people a little bit more about blindness well that's fabulous fabulous stuff and uh, you know awesome indeed definitely and folks definitely be sure to check out devin and the wonderful things that he does because they are indeed awesome and when it comes to me folks for you country music lovers i do host the radio show whiskey and cigarettes where we play today's country traditional country and everything else in between for more info about that visit our website that's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com podcast wise as we did mention casablanca feel free to check out our other project gold standard the oscars podcast where with my co-hosts Zan Sprouse and Rachel Friend we're reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture from 1927's Wings to the present day. Also, if superhero TV shows are your speed, myself and Charles Skaggs can be found on the Fandom Zone where we finished wrapping up the uh, first and hopefully not last season of Hawkeye. And if you are fans of Doom Patrol and Titans, you can find us discussing those on Titan Talk, the Titans podcast. And speaking of things to come on this show, 
Next time, we'll be taking on the 97 Kenneth Johnson film, Steel. That said, when it comes to you, Devin, thank you so much again for joining me. It was definitely a pleasure to have you back and definitely look forward to having you on very soon. Yeah, actually, you just said Steel, correct? Mm-hmm. That's another one of my good good favorite 90s movies, actually. Would I be allowed to uh, jump on that one? Well, if you're prepared to talk some Shack Attack, we're definitely happy to have you on with us for that one. Yep, I would absolutely love that. <laughs> okay, well, folks, and it looks like uh, we're, Devin's going to be uh, sticking around with us for some more 90s action, and we will, of course, then see you next time with Steel. Until then, stay super. Ciao. Yeah, you suck a DJ, but then-